Yeah. Today's daf is Yud Tet in Shekalim. We got to the end of uh, uh, of the previous parak, which is on Yud Tet Amud Al. Where the new uh, parak begins, it's like six or seven lines from the top, but it's a new parak. As we said, Hadran Alach Parak Yud Gimel Shofarot yesterday. So now we have Halacha Aleph of the new parak. The Mishnah says now a lot of the the concluding Mishnayot um, they deal with issues of Sfekot, which. Uh, are sort of meta-issues, issues of doubts that emerge. And we've discussed the apportionment of different monies to different uh, purposes uh, within the Bet HaMikdash. Uh, they have different levels of Kedushan, like we talked about the Shofarot, which are these sort of like kupot uh, daka uh, that they had. They weren't really tzedakah because people were paying for uh, the korbanot, but they would put them in various boxes that based upon what kind of offering they needed to bring. So what happens if they get mixed up? Obviously, that's almost inevitable that you're going to have mix-ups. Things are going to spill out of the box. Which box did it come from? And so on. That's going to be one of the issues. And then on that uh, theme, the Mishnayot are going to develop you know, other cases of similar kinds of potential mix-ups you can have. We've seen this before in other contexts, but some of the ideas here are new. So Mishnah says, So you have two boxes. One is for the Shkalim and one is for Nidava. One is for uh, people who just deposit money for um, the extra olot that are brought when the mizbeach is empty. That's called nidava. So let's say you find money in between those two boxes and you don't know which one it fell out of, which, which one they fall out of. I'm sure this could have happened uh, all the time. You know, it's, I mean, if you have different uh, containers of money or different, you know, it happens even in business right. and all the time you mix things up. So, if it's next to shkali, closer to shkali, so you blew the shkali. So we assume it came from wherever it's closer, lindava. If it's closer to the Dava box, we blew in the Dava. Mechtal, Mechtal, what if it's exactly in the middle? So then you blew in the Dava. So the issue is that if it's, ne- if it's closer to one than the other, so we, we presume that it came from the closer one. And they learned this, you know, for instance, we see a, uh, an indication of this kind of concept from, this, from the case of the, uh, uh, of the, uh, uh, the Egla Arufa, where you have a murder that takes place in between two cities, and to determine which city is going to take responsibility, you determine which city is the closest. It doesn't necessarily mean that for sure that's the city that's responsible, but that means that, you know, we, when we're trying to determine things, what is closest is a good indicator. <laughs> So we use it to resolve the question. But if it's right in the middle, exactly on the 50% line between the two, so then we put it in the Nidava. Why do we do that? Because Shkalim have multi-purposes. The Shkalim are used to buy Olot. They're also used to buy Chataot, which are eaten by the Kohanim in part. They're also used to buy, you know, any communal need. And, and the leftover Shkalim also go to uh, uh, other purposes that are not Korbanot at all. Whereas the Nidava box only goes to Korban Olah, which is the highest Kedusha. So since it goes purely to the highest Kedusha, we don't want to take from that box if there's a chance that it came from that box. You don't want to put it into the Shkalim box, which is a lower Kedusha. So we go with the higher Kedusha. That's the basic rule that it's going to use here for all of these cases. Ben Etzim Lelevona. Let's say you have between the box, it says Etzim, and the box says Livona. Livona is the frankincense that's brought, that's burnt on the altar with the Menachot. If it's next to the Etzim box, it goes to Etzim. If it's closer to Livona box, it goes to Livona. But Mechtal Mechta. But if it's Mechtal Mechta, so then it should go to Livona. So here it's a little bit different because here both the Etzim and the Livona are burned completely. You put the you put the Livona on and you burn it. You put the wood on and you burn it. So it's not like the difference between Ola and Shlamim or Ola and Chatat where part of it is burned, part of it is eaten and all that. It's not like that. But the thing is that one of them is the actual offering and one is just the fuel, right? So since one is the offering, we put it, the offering gets higher precedence, right? It makes sense. Ben Kinema goes there, Ola. 
we had two boxes. One was for kinim, where you put money in there. A lady, let's say, was coming after giving birth, and she gives a chatat and an ola. Two birds, right? Two a pair of birds. So she puts the money in there. So half of that money goes to olot and half of it goes to chataot. And then there's gozale ola, which is for people who are just giving the, uh, the gozale ola are just the birds that are olot. No, no chataot in there at all. So you already know that that's the higher kedusha because it's purely olot and there's no, a chatat is always lower than ola. So, so if they're in between, so karovla gozale ola, if it's next to the, uh, I'm sorry, karovla kinim, if it's next to the kinim box, if little kinim. Right, so if it's closer to one of the boxes than the other, so it goes in there. Uh, if it's in, if you can, if it's precisely in the center, so then it's going to go to the Ola because Olot are higher. It's a higher Kedusha. We're going to give it the, uh, I don't want to say the benefit of the doubt, so to speak, but in other words, a, a Chatat is uh, a chatata of is eaten by the kohanim none of the flesh of the chatata of goes on the altar at all only the blood goes so you really it's really a, a big distinction so therefore if there's money that's exactly half and half between the ola and i'm sorry between the kinim box that has a mixture of ola and chatat and between the sure. box that is for olot only so we we are going to put it into the one that's purely for olot now we get out of the Beit HaMikdash for a second because these are all the, so far we talked about all the boxes of Tzedakah that were relevant to the Beit HaMikdash but now we're up to the Kupot Tzedakah or, or let's say not the Kupot Tzedakah but just the containers that you have at home. You have some money that is chulin and some is maser sheni. The maser sheni, you're supposed to bring it to Jerusalem. You're supposed to use it to purchase food and eat in Jerusalem. The, the regular money is regular money and it gets mixed up together. So this is not talking about the Beit HaMikdash anymore. There's just money on the desk. And you had two containers. One container was Maser Sheni, one container was a Chuli. You don't know which one it came from. It happens all the time in every, to everyone at home. It happens to everyone in business. It happens to everyone in, you know, you can't remember which drawer the money came from. It fell. So, if it's closer to the Chulin box, so assume it came from the Chulin. Regular money. If it's closer to Maser Sheni, if it's closer to Maser Sheni, put it in there. Of course, of course, if it's exactly in the middle, we're always going to go with the more holy option. Which is Maser Sheni. Now the Chidush being in this case that even though this is not about Korbanot, it's not about Hekadesh, it's not about consecration, the rule still applies. That if the item that fell out, the doubtful item is closer to one box than the other, we're going to assume it came from that box. If it's right in the middle, we always assume the stricter one. Now Maser Sheni is the least of your problems because all that happens is if you have more Maser Sheni money is you go buy another soda uh, you know, or whatever. I, I'm not sure about soda, actually, because you're not allowed to buy, buy water, but I'm not sure if it would be considered water. But, you know, you go and you buy uh, whatever, more meat in, in Yerushalayim and eat it. So you, it's just a matter of taking more money with you to spend there. But the, um, but, and then it says that it formulates the rules. Whenever you have, whenever it's closer to one than the other, we go by the closer... Lehakel, even if it means lenient. In other words, even if the two boxes, one of them has a higher kiddusha than the other one, if it's closer to one, we say that circumstantial evidence indicates that it came from that box. However, if it's right in the middle and we have to decide because there's no circumstantial evidence pointing in either direction, then we're going to go in the direction of the lechumra. We're going to put it in the one that is more stringent, and that's the rule that you see there. Now the Gemara asks lo tzorcha dela ben shkalim lekinim. Now the Gemara asks a very basic question. The opening case is a case where the money falls between the shekel container and the nidava container of the 13 containers that they had in the Beit HaMikdash. Those were not next to each other. Why would there be money in between those two? If you, if you look at the list, nidava was the last one. Shkalim was the first one. Why would there be money in between those two? It should be between two things that are next to each other. That's why it says it should be between shkalim and kinim. 
should be to be, be between the uh, it should be between the uh, shkalim and the next thing after the shkalim is the kinim is the bird uh, box the box for uh, people who deposited money for uh, for uh, for bird korbanot. So it says Rabbi Avun B'Shem Rabbi Pinchas came in buchliar hayuosin. Right now buchliar is not the correct word according to all of the other uh, uh, according to the uh, those who correct the text here they use the um, they say the word um, where is it it's a kovlaim. Uh, but uh, that it should say kovlaim, but the idea is that it was circular, circular. and right, it was circular. So in other words, it wasn't that they had like a line of uh, of boxes one, two, three, four, five. So then, of course, the nidava one, which is for extra, just extra korbanot to populate the mizbech when there's nothing else on there, is down here, and the shkalim is over here. How's it going to be money that you don't know which one it came from? They're nowhere near each other, right? But it was in a circle. It, so since it was in a circle, the first one and the last one are actually close to each other. That's why you could have. Uh, something, oh, it shows you, yeah. I don't have pictures in mind. mine. I, I didn't get the illustrated uh, version. But yeah, you can, but you know, it shows you that the first one and the last one are going to be, of course, next to each other. And then that's how you can have money in between the two. Now, as that's why it said, mechza lemechza, yiplu lindava. So um, why does it go to the nidava? Now, we're going to skip those parentheses there. But we're going to go to after that. It says, eat the Baimimah. What's the reason why it goes to the Now, I, I kind of foreshadowed this for you already and told you when we learned the Mishnah. Why? You have money in between the Shkalim and the Nidavan. Nidavan goes only for Olot. Shkalim goes to all kinds of different things, right? So if it's exactly in between them and you don't know which one to go, why should you go for the Nidavan? So it says, eat the Baimimah. Eat the Baimimah. It means that some would say, okay, it's like we have Ibayit Ema in the, in the Talmud Bavli. It's same language. Uh, literally, it means the same thing. One, one reason for favoring Nidava over Shkalim is that Shkalim, the leftover Shkalim, go to like the building fund. They, you know, whatever is left over from that year, it goes to much lower level Kiddushah than the Min Shkalim. Whereas the money that goes to Nidava, the Nidava box, it only goes to Korban Ola. So if you took money out of the Korban Ola box and accidentally put it in the Shkalim box, you could basically be taking money that was supposed to be a Korban and using it to fix the wall. You don't, you don't want that. right? So therefore, you have to put it always in the Nidava box if there's a real doubt. That's, uh, that's one reason. And it says, Eat the Ba'il Memar Mechza Lemechza Kemishemet. Some say, no, when it's right in the middle, it's like a person who died with their uh, uh, with giving their shekel. There was a person who sets aside their machatita shekel and they die. We learned about it. What happens to that machatita shekel is it doesn't go into the machatita shekel fund since they died already. It goes into the nidava fund. So just like, in other words, since we, it's unidentifiable, it no longer can be traced back to its original owner. So we also put it in the nidava fund. That's why. Since it's, but that's only when it falls exactly in between the two boxes. And now the Gemara is going to vote. Amar Rabbi Yasa Adanataman. We saw this earlier, many dapim ago, all the way towards the, the beginning of, uh, uh, of the Masechet, I think it's the second uh, parak, towards the beginning, right? It said already that, uh, that Rabbi Yasa, which is like Rabbi Yossi in, uh, in uh, Yerushalmi, says, Ada, Nataman, when I was there, Shamit Kal Rav Yehuda, I heard Rav Yehuda say, Sha'al Shmuel, yes, Shmuel, if we he said, what do you do if the person separated their shekel and they died? Amar leyip lindava. He said it should go into the nidava. So that's exactly what we're doing here. Since we can't identify to whom it's really, it really belongs, so we put it into the nidava. That's the default. Now, asiyut ha'ifa, shelo. What happens to the asiyut ha'ifa? Let's say the Kohen Gadol dies and he left asiyut ha'ifa. He was supposed to bring his korban every single day. Korban, the Kohen Gadol brings machatita ba'boker, machatita ba'erev every single day. Brings his... Uh, his his offering a mincha in the morning and the afternoon. So what happens to that money? Amala Amale Gibluun Dava. 
He said, um, so, uh, so Amar, I'm sorry, Rabbi Yochanan, uh, Rabbi Yochanan Amar, Yolichen Yamamelech. Rabbi Yochanan says, in that case, you have to throw it to the Yamamelech. Why? Because since it's a chatat, it's considered like a chatat, and a chatat that the owner died, the money has to be thrown into the Yamamelech, meaning you can't use it for anything. Just like if he separated an actual animal for chatat, it just has to die, you can't use it for anything. So you throw it to the Yamamelech, according to Rabbi Yochanan. However, uh, Rabbi Lazar Amar, he blew in Dava. Rabbi Lazar said, in that case, it could go to the Nidava because since it is really the Kohen Gadol is bringing it like in his office as a Kohen Gadol, it's not personal, right? So it's not the same thing as a Chatat that it has to go to Yama Melech, like a personal Chatat has to go to Yama Melech, the money for a personal Chatat, if he leaves it over and he dies, he has to go to Yama Melech, or, or a Korban Chatat of a Yechid, of an individual, has to go to Yama Melech. I'm sorry, well, it doesn't have to go to Yamamelech. It has to be left to die because it can't be used. But here he's doing it in his office as Kohen Gadol. So it's a little bit different than an individual, uh, an individual chatat. And that's why, um, and that's why it could go to the Nidavat, could go to Olot. But now, on that same issue, in other words, the reason why the Gemara brought this was just to show you that a person who's, who dies and has left his machatita shekel, that the shekel goes to Nidavat. And therefore, when we're not sure what the identity of a certain uh, money, we put it into the Nidavat because it's kind of the default, even for somebody who separated the shekel and they died, that it goes there. Right? So now, now the Gemara is asking a question which could have just as well been asked almost on the previous uh, on the previous statement. So it's a little misleading because all the commentaries say no. It's really going back on our Mishnah it's saying v'kashia v'yesh chatat olah. Really, you could have interpreted that as a question also on the immediately uh, preceding line because it said that the the, the kohen gadol's money that was set aside for his chatat for his uh, his mincha of each day really uh, you know becomes an olah basically because the money goes into a nidavad fund according to Rabbi Lazar. But the Farshim said that that's not what it's referring to. It's referring back to the beginning, that the problem is that the, how could a chatat come as an ola? Because um, the, um, the, the, and it's talking about a different case, it's talking about where the money from the kinim box, remember there were two boxes for bird korbanot, one is called kinim and one is called gozale ola. The, the kinim is where a woman who had to bring an ola and a chatat would put her money. So what did the kohanim do with that? 50% of the money they put to olot, 50% of the money they put to chataot. Okay, if as somebody put it in Gosaleola, that means I'm just bringing Olot. I'm just bringing, I'm not bringing any Chataot. So what happens if the money in between the two? If we put it into the, now we said that what we have to do in that case is we have to put it in the Ola box. Because since the, since the Chatat box, um, if, if, it, if it went from the Ola box to the Chatat box, you're lowering it. Because Chatat is lower than Ola because the Kohanim eat from the Chatat. So, so it can't go that direction. It has to go in the direction from Chatat to Ola. It has to go up. But the question is, can you have a Chatat that becomes an Ola? Right? That, that there's a general condition that leftovers of Chatat and Asham money, and we saw this actually, this was done by Yehoyada, Kohen Agadol. This was even mentioned in Sefer Mlachim. That one of the things that he instituted was, or that he taught was, whether it was a Torah Shebaal or it was a, here it says Tanai Bedin, that it was something that the Chachamim instituted in his time, that the, um, that any leftover money from, from an Asham or Chatat, the, has, goes to, to Olot. It goes to Olot. So that's a, that's a condition. So since you have money that ended up that we can't identify where it's going to go, even though it's true that it might have been from the Chatat box, the box that has both Chatat and Ola in it, we can put it into the Ola because you can do that sometimes. When you have money that is left over, you do that. So here, we put it over to the Ola box and it won't be a problem. But, then, but there's still one problem. You know what the problem is? Think about the poor lady that put money in there. Maybe she put money into the Kinim box and that she needed a Chatat and an Ola. Yeah. And now some of that money fell out. 
and it fell out exactly in the middle. So what did the Kohanim do? Oh, what is the rule? Okay, we read the Mishnah Shkalim. Okay, what we have to do? We have to put it into the Olah box. So now no Chatat is going to be brought for that lady because you just took the money that she put into the Chatat and Olah box and you put the money into the only Olah box. So what's going to happen to that lady? And the Gemara asks, Ha'isha Hazod, Mitkaberet. How is she going to fulfill her mitzvah now? She's going to be stuck. So he says, Rabbi Amar Rabbi Yitzchak, Tanai Bedinu am misapeket akinin, who misapeket apsulot. That there's a condition that the one who provides the kinim provides the psulot and the grahas vieta ovdot and the lost. In other words, whenever there would be a situation like this, where you found money in between and it might have gone into the, the ola box and you had to put it in the ola box and you're not really sure that it was supposed to go in the ola box, you have to replenish that money to make sure that it was covered. Okay, so they had to put, since there's a possibility that the money that went, that was found in between those two boxes was actually chatat money that went into the olah box. So they had to replenish it and put in a new one. Now the question is, who has to pay for that? They have to put another chatat in there just in case. Yeah. So the bedin, it's government funding. Government funding, right? So, right, that's it. That's right, right. It's a, it's a, it's insurance. It's FDIC insured. Yeah. So the, so that's well, that's one interpretation. Right. One interpretation is that the Beta, that the Beta Mikdash has to pay for it. In other words, that the that the uh, it comes from the the general fund. In other words, that it's insured basically. That there, once we take your money, we're insuring that it's going to get to the right place. The Beta Mikdash takes the responsibility. That's what some of the Mefarshim say. Other Mefarshim, the the Gilion Hashaster on the side, he brings other Mefarshim that say no. That uh, no, the supplier guarantees. So, because we remember that we learned that the person supplying the animals to the Beit HaMikdash doesn't get paid officially unless he supplies for everything. So, if there's any kind of deficiency or discrepancy, he has to supply another one. So, he's going to have to supply on his own bill. and They're going to have to call him up and say, hey, Bob, you know, we just had a uh, mix-up. We messed up. Sorry. We need another chatat from you. And you have to do it free of charge because it's guaranteed. He's going to have to bring it. And they're going to have to bring a safik chatat, extra safik chatat, just to be sure. That that if that was a chatat of some lady, that it would be covered. Because if it was an olah, that's fine. You got two olot. But if it was if it was a chatat, they would have to do. So they would have to back up that. And if it was more, in other words, if there was more, you know, depending on the amount of money that there was involved, I guess if it was more money, then they would have to figure that it was more, uh, you know, more chataot. Depending on how it was, they had the safik that maybe chatat money became olah. They have to cover for it. So that so the question of whether the supplier is responsible for insuring that or whether the Beit Hamikdash is responsible is an, a, dis, a disagreement. But the idea is that the person won't have to worry um, uh, that they will be in trouble. Now it says lo la ben ketoret leitzim. Little, uh, uh, now it says here ben ketot leitzim, but really it should be ben kinim leitzim, and uh, and also lilvona lizahav la kaporet. In other words, you have. Um, and now the way the Gra has the text is Ben Kinimla Itzim, Ben Levona Lizahav Lekaporet, um, meaning that why did the Mishnah only use these examples? There are many examples that you could have brought where uh, where money could be lost in between two boxes. Why did it only use the case of the in between the two the two ends, the Shkalim and the Nedava, or between the Etzim and the Levona, the wood and the Levona? What about the uh, what about other cases? What about uh, the Kinim and the Etzim? What about you know? There's all kinds of different things that could get mixed up that are next to each other. Why do you only give these examples? It says because Betnita Besofa. In other words, it teaches you the basic concept that uh, that 
whenever you have something that is closer to one box than the other, you assume that it came from that box. And whenever it's in between two exactly in the middle, you go whichever one is more machmir. And that was necessary to teach you with a couple of examples. But it didn't have to teach you uh, every single example. Okay? And in other words, the... Um, that... Uh, uh, that uh, the yeah, the concept of the teacher doesn't teach every example. Now, the only di- the only the reason why I had to teach you the first one was because of the korbanot situation of shkalim and nidava. The reason why I had to teach you the 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 wood and the levona is because even though both of them are totally burnt, one is actually a korban. The levona is actually a korban, and the other one is just machshirei korban. It's just the fuel. So, just to clarify that, even though both of them are consumed, there's a different level. And then to show you that chulin and maser sheni. Even though it's not hekdesh at all, the same rule applies, you know, even to things, even to a person in their house that they have, let's say, tzedakah with, uh, with uh, regular money, or they have hekdesh, they have maser uh, sheni with regular money, that they have the same rules uh, applying. But, that, but once it teaches us the concept, it doesn't have to tell you every single example that, that we can figure out on our own. And replenishment is only the chatat issue that we had a problem. That would be that you have to put money back in because there's two, in other words, if you, let's say, had money of tzedakah and money of regular money, so you, it just goes one way, you just replenish. You just make sure that it goes in the tzedakah. But if you have, if it's closer to it or if it's right in the middle, right? But you don't have to replenish your own money. Right. You know, in the other cases, you don't have to replenish. Or like, let's say, etzim and levona. So he said, if it's in between the, the, the money for wood and the money for levona. So you end up putting it into the levona one, oh, right? right? But so, so, so it doesn't matter. The guy didn't have an obligation that he had to give etzim. So it doesn't matter that his money went to levona. He doesn't have full, full, fulfill an obligation. Only the lady that had to fulfill an obligation. So she's going to be stuck that her obligation wasn't fulfilled. You took her money out of there and she didn't get her mitzvah. <laughs> right. That's, that, that's the only case. Now, the Mishnah says... Now, in Yerushalayim, money that's found in front of the stores, in other words, the meat store, a person goes to the butcher, right, or in not really the butcher, the animal dealer, whatever they could call him, you know, the, he goes there to buy animal, the money that's there on the ground, you assume it fell out of somebody's pocket, it's Maser Sheni, because what would people mostly do? They would come with their Maser Sheni money, most of the money that exchanged hands in Jerusalem for most of the year was Maser Sheni money that people were coming, taking their Maser Sheni money and buying, uh, uh, buying meat and eating the meat in Yerushalayim to fulfill that mitzvah. They did it all year round. None people will be doing it. What? Not at any specific time, right? There's all year round. It would be like that was a regular occasion. And, and in fact, the Sefer Achinuch says that one of the, that he gives the Tamea mitzvah, he gives reasons for the mitzvah. He says, oh, one of the reasons for Maser Sheni is to bring a person to Jerusalem. So they'll meet the Kohanim, they'll meet the teachers of Torah, they hear Divrei Torah, they learn. You know, it's, it's, it's to get them to Jerusalem. So it works. People were coming and most of the money that was being uh, spent on meat in Jerusalem meaning to buy animals, was for people who were fulfilling their mitzvah of Maser Sheni. Now, you didn't have to bring that as a korban. The Maser Sheni is just that you have to eat the meat in Yerushalayim. So that's, that's, that's the rule. to be vegetarian. Well, you could. You can also be vegetarian because Maser Sheni also applies to produce. You could buy well, any you food. You could buy fruits. You can buy fruits. It says well, again, you can buy wine, fruits. That you're not going to... On a chagim. You have one kazayit. It's okay. It's not going to... Even the biggest vegan, it's not going to kill them to eat one kazayit of meat, maybe. I don't think... But anyway, right? So Maser, if you find money on Harabayit, 
It's chulin. That's not going to be considered mazel because the person's, you know, the money that falls there probably fell some other time from somebody else's pocket. It's not necessarily their maser shani money. It's just that they had change in their no, pocket, fell out. They're not going to take it to harabai, the maser shani. It just means that some money fell out of their pocket. It was some random money, not every, you know. So you assume it's chulin. If you find money in the way We're going by rov. We're going by rov. We're going by rov. Now, we will the rest of the year in Yerushalayim, any money that you find, not in front of Sochrei Behemah, meaning not in front of the place where you buy animals, just you find money on the street. You don't assume it's Master Shani because they clean the streets all the time, it says. Since they clean the streets all the time, so you, uh, you know, it's always new money that's coming and it's, 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 uh, and, and it's Ubashata Regal Akol Master. But in the times of the Regal, everything you find, in other words, at the times of the holiday when people are coming, so most of the money, even in the street, is going to be Master Shani because people are coming in and they bring all their Master Shani from that year for their one trip to Yerushalayim of the year or one of three trips. So, so at that time, even the money in the street is going to be. So the point is that in the re- the rest of the year, money in front of the of the animal sellers is going to be considered maser sheni because we assume a person brought it for that purpose for that mitzvah. Money found in the street is not going to be. But during the times of the holiday, even the money found in the street, we assume most people's money that's on them that they're walking around Jerusalem is probably maser sheni. Okay. Now baser sheni Let's say they find meat in the courtyard of the Bet HaMikdash. They know it must be some kind of a korban, but nobody knows what it is. Obviously, these people are not doing their job very well, but uh, that's another story. But they, they don't know what it is. So what happens? So, if it's cut into limbs, so it's probably an olah, because that means that, you know, because they cut it into limbs to put it on the mizbeach. It's not being butchered for eating. It's being butchered to place on the mizbeach, cut into limbs. So that's olah. Now, if it's cut into slices, in other words, it's cut into pieces for eating, steaks, you know, so that means that it's probably chatat because if it's in the Beit Hamikdash, the only meat that's eaten in the Beit Hamikdash that has to be eaten in the Beit Hamikdash is chataot. The Kohanim have to eat chataot in the Beit Hamikdash or an asham, asham or chatat. That's the only thing that you would eat in the Beit Hamikdash. Anything else, a shlamim, you eat anywhere in Jerusalem. You don't only eat in the Beit Hamikdash, and the Kohanim have no reason to be eating it in the Beit Hamikdash or even to be eating it at all unless it's their shlamim because they don't have to eat any shlamim. They only have to eat chataot and and, and ashamot. So therefore. Um, you, so Yerushalayim, if you find sacred meat hanging around, lying around in Yerushalayim, Shalamim. You assume it's Zivchei Shalamim. In other words, why? Because that's where a person would eat, um, would eat uh, uh, their Shalamim. Anywhere in Jerusalem, they, you that's see meat. Yeah, it's it's saying that if you find meat in in Yerushalayim, the rest the of the time, um, right? it's most of, right. They said most of the meat that was eaten in Yerushalayim was Shalamim. Most of the year, because people would come, they would buy with their Maser Shani. Now, they didn't have to bring it as a Shlamim, but most people would say, I'm in Jerusalem, I'm buying this Korban, I'm going to bring it as a Shlamim and eat it. So most meat lying around in Yerushalayim, you see meat, it's probably a Shlamim, right? Most of the time, most of the year, because that's why people would come. They would come and they'd say, okay, really I could eat any meat in, in, in Yerushalayim and fulfill the mitzvah of Maser Shani, but I'm right here in the Beit HaMikdash, right here, I'm going to go and bring a Korban Shlamim, why not? It doesn't, you don't lose anything really. You give one piece to the Kohen. Besides that, you eat the rest anyway. In a Shlamim, you don't really lose much. Like so it's worth it. Party. I always say it's, a, it's the difference between a Chatat and a, uh, and a uh, Shlamim is that a Chatat is mainly about the mitzvah of giving the Korban and you have to eat it as part of the mitzvah. The eating is part of the mitzvah. Shlamim is mainly about eating and and you bring God into it by bringing it a part of it as a korban. In other words, really the primary thing in the shlamim is a person wants to have a barbecue, but they say, I'm having a barbecue, why not have Hashem, you know, honor Hashem in my barbecue? That's basically... Exactly. It's like a bar mitzvah with less bar and more mitzvah.
That's what they say, right? That's a, that's a, but that's, that's the thing. Now, so if you find the meat in Yerushalayim, it's shlami. Fine. Now, but still, to, still, since you don't know for sure, in other words, that's the assumption. The assumption is that it's shlamim, uh, ola, whatever. But you can't assume for sure, so you have to leave it. To means you leave it overnight, so it becomes pasul. And then you can burn it. In other words, since there's nothing you can do with it, the Gemara will explain. There's nothing you can do with it. So, the, so you can't eat it because you don't really know what it is. You can't burn it because you don't really know what it is. Um, so you wait till it becomes pasul, and then you know for sure that you're supposed to burn it. There's like Shev al said, there's nothing you can do. You sit and wait. Now, um, if you find outside of Jerusalem, you find meat. So, if you see things chopped into limbs, it's probably nevelot. They throw it to the dogs. You know, they're not going to chop a steak. Why is it called they Make a steak. Vulin is the borders, borders of Jerusalem. Outside. outside. Yeah, outside. If you find uh, meat there chopped into limbs, it's probably being thrown to the dogs or something like that. Nobody cuts a steak. I mean, nowadays, they didn't have back then people like today that they get gourmet food for their dog, you know, with a steak and cakes that look... Uh, they didn't have that. Now, they, they just cut the limbs and they threw it to them. Now we have a different story. Maybe different. You know, the people they go, they go to these bakeries for dogs. You see this dog's bakery. It's I don't know. Understand it? But, dog food is great. Sea meat. Taco Bell is great. Sea meat. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. So, but anyway, well, it's going to talk about that. It's going to talk about hefker. It's going to talk about that. Yeah, it didn't talk about that yet. Right now, it's just talking about the identity in terms of uh, prohibitions and things like that. So now it says, if you find outside of Jerusalem chopped up meat, it's not a korban ola. Obviously, it's probably being thrown to the dogs. Opposite. If you see chopped up meat, it's in a steak form. So then it's probably kosher. Now, again, they're assuming that this is in a Jewish neighborhood. Everything is kosher. They're not assuming that it's, uh, you know, that it's a mixed neighborhood. Now, turning to Amud Bet, And in the time of the holiday, where there's a lot of meat going around, okay, so then even chopped up evarim, even chopped up limbs, you can assume are probably kosher also, because since there's so much meat, not everyone's slicing it into steaks. They're roasting it. They're cutting pieces, making, you know, barbecues and things like that. They're not necessarily... Um, being, uh, you know, as dainty as they would normally be with their steak and slicing it and all that. So then during the regal, when there's so much meat going around, everything is probably a barbecue and, you know, it's, it's, it's cut that way. Now that's talking about assumptions. Now the Gemara says, So it says, why don't we assume that the money on Harabayit is holy? Like we're assuming that money that you find in, Ma- in Yerushalayim on the ground is holy. It's a Maser Sheni money, probably. So why don't you assume that about Harabayit money? So Rabbi Ba, Rabbi Chia, B'Shem Rabbi Yochanan, Chazaka She'ena Kohen, Motzim Ena Lishka Ma'ot, Adjum Chalalana Labeima. The concern of finding money on Harabayit is not that an individual civilian will bring money on Harabayit, because you're not supposed to carry your money on Harabayit anyway. The person who goes on Harabayit is not supposed to bring their money. Not supposed to bring your money bag, your shoes. You know, you're not supposed to bring that. So if you, so therefore, we're not worried that the, the average visitor has a money bag. We're worried that money from the Beit Hamikdash. They're saying, why don't you assume that money from the Beit Hamikdash fell and ended up outside on the Harabayit somehow? You know, by accident. Yeah, that that makes sense. So it says no, because the Kohen will not ever let any money leave the precinct of the Beit Hamikdash until he deconsecrates it. Meaning, the, it's a it's concept of like Kohanim Zrizimim. They're not just going to let the money fall out. They would never let the money go out while it's still in a state of uh, uh, of Kedusha. So therefore, we don't worry that the money in Harabayit is holy money. Now, 
Basar Shinimtsa. Now we're going to get into, uh, so first of all, this case of the person who finds a korban. We said, you find a korban, you can make a, an educated guess as to what kind of a korban it is. Is it an olaf? if it's cut up a certain way, if it's a chatat, if it's cut up a certain way, it's a shlamim, if it's located in a certain place. But in all these cases, we leave it over till it would become pasul and then burn it because we don't really know what it is. So we can't act on that. Now the Gemara says here, Rabbi Lazar B'Shem Rabbi Hoshaya, that he says, now according to the Gemara, what it should say is, Hesech Hada'at Pasul V'ta'uni Burtzuah. That, that if a person, hesachadat means that a person gets distracted. Okay? He gets distracted from something that he, for, he, he's not focusing on it. You see from that that it makes a korban pasul. If they're not paying attention to it. We've learned about this before. Now, w- the question is there are two possibilities what distraction does to a korban. One is, and we actually learned about it when we learned in, in, in Seder Kodashi. One possibility is that the mere fact that you were not paying attention automatically disqualifies the korban 100% and it's pasul immediately. It's an intrinsic, intrinsically pasul. The other possibility is no. It's not that simply getting distracted makes it pasul. It's that when you were distracted, maybe something happened, right? Maybe it became tamay, maybe something this, and you weren't paying attention so you can't really guarantee that it was done properly so therefore you have to, uh, be, be, have to be concerned. So he's saying, you see from this that distraction makes the korban pasul, but you have to wait overnight. Meaning, since you're not sure anything really happened, that would be the difference. In other words, if being distracted in and of itself disqualifies the korban, you don't have to wait. Burn it right away. It became disqualified. You weren't paying attention. But if you have to wait overnight, that means that it's not that it became automatically disqualified from your distraction. It's that when you were distracted, maybe something happened. You can't be sure. So what do you have to do? You can't go ahead with the korban because maybe something happened. On the other hand, you can't burn the korban because maybe something didn't happen. So you have to wait till the next day when it's definitely pasul and burn it. Right? That's what he's saying. So he's saying, you see from here, my view, Rabbi Hoshaya's view, is that the only problem with distraction is that it creates a safik. It creates a doubt. And, and, well, it's going to talk about that soon. But that's, that's, this is a little bit different because that's the Dirabanan. So when you are distracted from the, uh, from the Korban, so it doesn't intrinsically disqualify because if it did, then you would burn it right away. He says, you see from here that it just creates a safek. And since we're just in safek, we wait till the next day, right? And he says, Matnitin Amaraken. You see from our Mishnah exactly this. Right? That's what Amar Rabbi Hoshayai said. That because because it says you have to wait overnight before you burn it. So obviously the mere distraction itself did not create the invalidation. And then Amar Yosi, but what does the Gura change it to? He says Amar Yosi v'yaot le'ochlo en at yachol. Right, yaot means you're correct. It's correct. Ah. Right? There's, there's nothing else you could do. To eat it is not possible. Shema nitkalkel tzurato. The fum can tarech meimar to bar tovato vetel bet sofa. What does the Gra have? He has end at yachol shema lo nitkalkel tzurato. Right. In other words, he's saying that uh, you don't really know what happened with it. Right. Uh, he has end at yachol the sofa end at yachol shema lo nitkel tzurato. He turns around the words um, a little bit, but the the point is that that uh, he's saying that. The reason why you're stuck with this korban the way it is and you have to wait is because you don't know if, it, if, if it's good or not. If it's, if it's good, then you can't burn it yet. And if it's not good, then you can't eat it. So either way, you're stuck and that's why you have to wait till the next day. So that supports what Rabbi Hoshaya is saying. 
that mere distraction itself doesn't disqualify. In fact, if mere distraction, um, he, he says here that being distracted, really a safik in the Beta Mikdash should be considered a safik tuma in Rishut Rabim. And it really should be mutar. Mm-hmm. Usually, uh, safik uh, in Rishut Rabim is, uh, mm-hmm. is okay, right, in Tum'ah. So, really, we should say that it's okay, right? But that's the, the reason why, therefore, since there is, but you see that they're stringent about this in the Korbanot. And since we're stringent about this in the Korbanot, we require at least a waiting overnight until the next day. But that shows you that distraction itself did not disqualify. That's what he wanted to show us. Now, <clears throat> you find meat outside. So Rabbi Krispa, Beshem, Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Hanina, Evarim Nevelot, Lokin Aleim Shem Nevela. If you find Evarim, if you find meat chopped up into limbs, what did it say? It said it's Nevela. He says it doesn't mean it's a Safek Nevela. It means it's a definite Nevela. And you'll get makot for it. How could you say that? Matnitamar ken. And that, that's what the Mishnah says. Because evrei nevelot v'chatichot mutarot. Because we said that the limbs are nevela. We said that the sliced meat is kasher. Right? Chatichot mutarot lo mamash. Now when it says chatichot mutarot, it means you could actually eat those steaks. So also it means when it says it's nevela, it means it's literally nevela. In other words, this assumption, this chazaka, is defining the reality. We're saying that we actually assume it's not like before where we say, well, if you find the olah, you could assume if you find it cut a certain way, assume it's an olah. If you find it cut a certain way, assume it's a chatat. But in any case, leave it over to be destroyed, right? So here he's not saying that. He's saying no. Here it means literally, if you find sliced steaks. Eat it. If you find chopped up nevelo, chopped up limbs, it's nevela. And if a person eats it, they could get makot for that. Meaning he's saying it's a definite in this case. Rabbi Krispa, Rabbi Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Chanina. It can never be definite, what do you mean? It's saying halacha defines as definite. Just like rove, what do you mean? Somebody malkod when you're not sure? He's saying you're not, he's saying, it's saying we're assuming that it's true. Just like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Chazaka, we do chiyuv mitan chazaka. How do you know a person is somebody's son? How do you know, right? It says, a woman shows up and says, this is my son, and then marries him. You don't know that it's her son. She marries her own son. And then you're going to say, chayav mitah. How could you do it? You don't know that she's really... uh, How do you know? A a guy punches his dad and makes a wound. It's chayav mitah. How do you know it's really his dad? Chazaka. Right, we say kol biot, uh, you know, acharabal. We say we assume the father, the husband of the mother, is the father of the child. They didn't have DNA, right? Oh, so we do it chazaka. We say assume the the son could go. No, it's not really my father. That's why I punched him. He's not really my father. I hate him. No, we say chazaka. He's definitely his father, even though it's chiyuv mita. So same thing. He's saying chazaka is it's nevela. We'll give him a call. Now he says Rabbi Kispas says Shem Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Chanina imayu. If they are like linked together, then for sure we're going to say that they are permitted. In other words, even the limbs, you wouldn't go and like make like a, a chain of sausages for the, uh, for the dog, right? So they put it like a, put it on a string and all that. So it shows, I'm not talking about today, back then when they were more normal. Now, now there used to be a bakery for dogs. I walked by, I said, I didn't know it was for dogs. I looked from the window, I said, wow, everything that looks so good in there. And then I look, it's for dogs. Make yourself. Yeah, it was strange. Anyway, so now it says uh, it says like this, and we've learned about this before about the about the about the teisha chanuyot, teisha chanuyot, right? So teisha chanuyot, machot besan nevela. You have nine stores that they sell non kosher. One of them sells kosher, and chalfu lo. 
right? So, Choshesh. So, if he gets mixed up, he has to be worried, obviously, that it's, uh, that it came from the Vela. Ola Nimtzet, Olchin if he finds if he uh, if he finds meat randomly on the street, then he goes by the majority. So in that case, obviously the majority is non kosher, so he's going to be stuck. Now So again, here is more of the chidush. This is what we call the idea of kavua. We learned about it in Chulin. It's a very difficult concept to understand of kavua, right? Right. That we always treat when there's a when there are stores involved. There's kavua. Even though the majority is kosher, we still say it's like 50-50, right? If you found that, so the irony is, if you found this piece of meat in the middle of the street, wrapped in a nice, you know, that paper that they put, the butcher puts, right? You found it in the middle of the street, you could say, well, nine out of ten of the stores are kosher, so I'm sure it went kosher, and you could go home and make the steak, no problem. But if you can't remember which store you went into, you might have gone, so then even though nine out of the ten are kosher, that's called kavua. There's a, since there's isur kavua, there's a fixed place that is asur, has the isur in it. So therefore, it's kemechtal mechtal. We don't say that we go, go by the rov, because you selected out one store. You just don't know if that store was A or B, kosher or non-kosher. So it's a 50-50 chance that it's kosher or non-kosher. Not like a piece of meat where you're taking the entire system of all 10 stores into account and saying the majority rules. So there, it's an A-B question about the place that you went in. Which one did you go in? So therefore, it's not, that's called kavu. We learned about it before. It's a complicated idea. But, uh, but that's the that's halacha here in the Yerushalayi. If you find a non-Jew carrying meat, it's the same as finding it in the street. In other words, if you don't know which store he went into, and it could have been any of them, right? Nine of them are kosher, one is non-kosher. It's called Platia is like a plaza. Plaza. Yeah. I mean, you send your kid to buy, buy meat from the... From one, one you don't know which one he went to. Right. So that would be different because that's a Jew. But he's, he was talking about a non-Jew. A non-Jew who... That, because for a non-Jew, where he bought the meat didn't become significant until you wanted it. Right? So the safek happened. The meat was already outside of the store. So it's, it, it's different when the well, safek happened. Right, that's all right, but it's not considered necessarily parish when this when your own child did it because it's a Jew. Now Rabbi Lazar it's kosher. It's kosher. When? It will be kosher because if nine out of the ten stores are kosher, even, even though the non Jew is holding it. Yeah. Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Chagai Rabbi Mana. One time Rabbi Lazar uh, was was leaning on Rabbi Mana, he saw a, a non-Jew cutting a piece off of his horse and going out to sell the horse meat in this, you know, in the middle of the street. So, how could you say that you could, if you find a non-Jew carrying meat, that you assume it came from the store, maybe he chopped it off of his horse. I mean, look at what they do. So how could he rely on it? And the word Rabbi should not be there. It only works if you saw him coming out of a store. In other words, if you saw him coming out of a Jewish butcher, you can assume that that meat was the kosher. They didn't give him the non-kosher because most of the meat is kosher in the neighborhood. But if you didn't see him coming out of one of the stores, you don't know where he got it from. He could have gotten it from his own horse. So you can't rely on it. But if you saw him come out of one of the, the marketplace, right, which is oh, Mikulin, Mikulin, Mikulin is the, is the marketplace. Six, it's a marketplace. 
But it says mikulin because it had sticks that were used. Yeah, to hang right. Maybe that's why. But the, but but it yeah. But it's 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 the, him came out of the marketplace. One is that he came out of the marketplace with it. So then that shows that he you know that now you could say it came from nine out of ten of the stores that are there. So then it's probably it's probably good. But if you but if you don't know that he got it from there, he could have brought it from uh, his backyard. So then you don't know. Chad Barnash, there was one guy, but Sipurin Azil He wanted to buy meat from a certain butcher, and this butcher did not like him. Now the way that the system worked back then was you had butchers, and then you had the market. So the butchers supplied to the market. You know, so the so the mar- so he this the guy was a wholesale. He was the he was the butcher, right? he wouldn't give him any meat. So Amar he went to a non-Jewish guy, and he said, "Could you go and buy it?" In other words, he wanted to seemingly this Jew. I don't know if he wanted to eat the meat or he wanted to sell it because normally you would go to these uh, he would go to the butcher and the person would buy it and then sell it in their shop. So he went to the non-Jewish guy and said, go buy it and to sell it. So even the non-Jewish sellers were selling kosher meat because it was just a kosher market. It was the, that was the market, right? right? So, um, so, um, so, he, so he sent this non-Jew. The non-Jew was said, hi, I have a store, whatever, I would like to get some meat. And secretly the Jew wanted it, so he's going to get it from him. Now, so then he went back to the butcher and said, hi, you don't even realize I tricked you. I bought the meat from you and you thought that he we're not going to give me the meat. And I'm Well, I gave him non kosher meat, so too bad for you. I, I, was, I was wise to it and I gave him non kosher meat. Because it was not right? Jewish. Yeah, because it wasn't Jewish or because I knew that it was a trick. Whatever. Right? He said that the story came in front of Rabbi. That one guy cannot prohibit the entire marketplace of. Uh, you know, for everybody. In other words, normally the way that it would work was if there was one nevelah that came out, they would have to announce it, tell everyone there was a nevelah, make sure that they locate it, identify it. Otherwise, the system won't work that they're relying that the source of meat is kosher. Says so this one guy who has an agenda or whatever, he cannot go and say that every all the meat now is non-kosher and now everyone has to worry that maybe there was non-kosher meat being brought into the system, especially in this case. First of all, he's just testifying on his own and he has an agenda, he has an axe to grind against the guy. We can't take his word to make all of it to I declare everything non-kosher. Yeah, 